Hello and welcome to Signals from the Hill. My name's Stephen Walsh. Coming up, we'll be talking to Charlotte Christensen about her life in comics and a new book from Avery Hill, What We Don't Talk About. But first, here is some other comics podcasts you may enjoy. In the monthly radio show on comics, Panel Borders, you can hear Alan Moore. You see this gradual rehabilitation of Godzilla. Sandy Toxvig. There's something about the cartoon world that, honestly, in these grim times, is rather preferable to flesh and blood sometimes. Chris Riddell. I have a draw in my studio. Um, It's the naughty draw. And many more writers and artists talking about their craft. More info at www.panelborders.wordpress.com. Oh, we've had an email asking if we wanted to do an advert for the Avery Hill podcast. Oh, that's nice of them. Does that mean we can't swear? Yeah, pretty much. So, no words like... Or sh- and definitely no. Oh, I gave real comics. Yeah, they're nice. Oh, we're the Awesome Comics Pod. You can find us at awesomecomics.podbean.com or on iTunes. And as the Awesome Comics Podcast, and buy a copy of our Awesome Comics Anthology at www.awesomecomicpod.bigcartel.com. Oh, that was very professional, wasn't it? I knew that'd go right. Need a podcast all about comics topics, reviews, and just general chit chat? Then join David Robertson, Fernando Pons, Mike Sadakat, Giuseppe Lambertino, and me, Tom Stewart, at That Comic Smell. You can find us on SoundCloud, YouTube, and iTunes, and on Twitter and Instagram at That Comic Smell. Pull up a chair and join us. Just a reminder that Charlotte's book, as well as being available from all good book and comic shops, is also available in digital form on Gumroad. We've recently added Victory Point by Owen Pomery and Zebedee and the Valentines by Abs Bailey to our growing list of titles on there. And you can find the whole selection at gumroad.com forward slash Avery Hill. And now, let's talk to Charlotte. Hello Charlotte, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me here. You grew up in Denmark, is that right? Yeah, that's correct, yeah. I grew up in Denmark in a mixed race family and dad is Danish and my mom is Zimbabwean. Spent 15 years in Denmark and then we moved away. I um, don't know if you want to hear my whole life story or just the <laughs> well, interesting I'm part. Always sort of, <laughs> I always sort of leap in and, and ask you about sort of comics in Denmark as a, as a child. Were, were you reading comics as a, as a young oh, child? Yeah. That's actually a funny question because I didn't actually draw until I was nine or ten. Although my parents did draw. I didn't seem to have interest in it, and um, I didn't particularly read a lot of comics uh, when I was a very small kid, and I think it had a lot to do with maybe the particular comics I had access to, it just wasn't really what I was interested. Um, I knew there was Asterix and Obelix, and there was Garfield, and I think, I can't remember what it was called, Luke, Lucky, what was he called, the Cowboy Comics? Oh, Lucky yeah, and I just, you know, while they were funny and such, it just wasn't really the kind of comics I could see myself doing. It wasn't until I actually came across manga that I was like, wow, what is this world <laughs> of just these really grown-ups? Well, I thought they were very grown-up <laughs> at the time, but, you know, these really, like, stories with dark elements and character building, and it could be about anything. And I just thought that was so exciting to see how broad comics could actually be. So it wasn't until I was about 12 when I discovered that. Yeah, it's interesting how manga is almost a, a sort of medium of, of its own. 
you know, uh, yeah. in terms of the, the way people respond to it, because obviously, and 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 I think that speaks to sort of a lot to do with the industry in terms mm. of what's offered to children and what's offered to people in in particular areas. Because you know, your own work being a great example, is comic can be about anything, and any comics can be about mm. anything. But I think it is that thing of manga being such a huge industry in Japan that it means that they've had the sort of space and the money to appeal to you know, a ridiculously diverse group of people. You know, one, one of my favourite, I've, uh, I've not read it, but there's a, a, I read about a manga before um, about a Japanese businessman. And the whole thing is essentially about him playing golf with his boss and having a <laughs> dilemma about whether to win, to look good in front of his boss, or to lose, to make his boss feel better about himself. And I was like, amazing. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. I mean, some of the topics of the... Of the um books that I read I mean they could be so they could be told in such a boring way and yet they were so <laughs> exciting because I think I don't know what it is but a lot of manga they, t they do tend to have a certain theme in them and and you can tell there's so much research and passion put into it you know whether it's about you know football ice skating or you know different kind of sports I mean some of the sports that are one of the sports I've gotten really excited about now is cool. It's a, it's a very old sport from the, I think it's like from the 1500s called Kalusa, I think, or Kurata. I'm probably saying this wrong. And it's a Japanese kind of poem card game where you read out poems and then you have to uh, complete the poem. So you have to be faster to take a card um, compared to your opponent. And it just sounds like such a mundane game. And there was this anime i watched recently and it was so exciting you know it was like <laughs> you know that anything could change in that game and you were just sucked into it and i was like how can this be so interesting and i just think <laughs> it's the passion that's poured into it you know um so yeah it, it was just stuff like that that just really caught my eye as a kid and and i just realized i just really want to do comics uh, after that you know you say your parents drew was that something they did uh, as as a hobby or as part of their work yeah so i think um my parents had some aspirations that they didn't follow through or things just didn't work out and uh, i know my dad wanted to do, be an architect or an architect i think it's called and um not a building <laughs> but uh um, yeah and i just don't think you know he you know he was doing all this work and I think he went to like a, a technical school. I can't remember what they called him back then when he was young. Um, but yeah, it just didn't work out. And um, I think my mom wanted to do fashion. So they were very, even though they drew, it was quite a different kind of drawing to what interested me um, as a kid. Um, you know, I saw them doing the stuff, but I just didn't really, it wasn't, I wasn't inspired to do it because it, it just wasn't what made me tick as a person. It was really... I think it was really when I realized it was cartoon characters that just just somehow just got really interested. I was like, oh, this is so exciting. You can create characters. They can walk in their own world and, you know, they can, you know, it can be about anything. I think that was what really excited me and got me into drawing. So it's just funny that they did draw, but it just wasn't really what, what got me into it. But I always think with things like that, even if it isn't a direct thing where you, because obviously, it sounds like what you're talking about there is they're doing different forms of technical drawing essentially with architecture mm. and fashion it's a lot about uh function and making sure things work a certain way whereas as you say it's the narrative and the characters that appeal to you more but oh, I, do, yeah. I think that just having 
you know art materials in the house and parents you know there's going to be an air of creativity around that isn't necessarily there in in everyone's house so that's i think it must true, be sort of like true. bubbling under for you as well yeah i think like you know I, I i that's probably one of the good things about growing up was that they never told me oh you're wasting your time you know don't do that they were always very encouraging and you know just let us really explore those kind of imaginations as kids so i'm very i'm very grateful to that and um, they probably gave us too much time and they uh, probably should have uh, focused on our <laughs> grades as well. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I had a lot of uh, creative um, freedom, I think, as a kid. <laughs> it, it, in terms of, of your sort of interest then, uh, in growing interest in sort of comics and illustration, was that something you uh, sort of pursued academically and through the education system? Yeah, so obviously I started out being, you know, just drawing on my own and self and being like a self-taught artist and then eventually wanted to pursue it um, more seriously. So I did an art design um, diploma that was in Belfast when, when I moved there um, at the age of 16. I think a year later or so I got, got into college. And I did three years there and it kind of helped me sort of learn about the different forms of art as well within the industry. You know, I'd never done things like photography, ceramics, um, even, you know, graph design, using a Mac for the first time. So it was kind of a good sort of place to sort of explore other avenues of creating and seeing what you want to, you know, where you want to potentially pursue further. And uh, I think I finished up doing a foundation there and initially was like oh yeah I'm gonna definitely and like I, I realized I wasn't actually really that interested in photography and, and ceramics and the other things I still <laughs> wanted to just draw and I was still very much into my anime manga and um, <laughs> what I did you know it was a good sort of place to kind of be around other creatives and and you know developing as a person and developing your skills it's always, it's always really great to be in spaces like that um, but I actually tried to pursue a sequential art course in the U in London at the time, and I got in, and then the course got dropped two months before I was supposed to start, and which meant I was like, oh, what do I do with my life? You know, I, I'd worked my excitement up to do this thing, and and now I saw, saw all my friends sort of going off and and you know going into their their degrees, and there was me just being very like you know, this whole plan had just gone out the window. And at the time, my family had moved to Dublin. So I ended up moving back home, spent a year just moping around and not doing anything. Didn't really, I didn't have any motivation. I just felt, you know, I felt very sad about the whole situation. And my mom was like, you're getting a job. So <laughs> I think, I, <laughs> yeah, she was, she was tired of seeing me just not doing anything. And, um, you know, just kicked me in the butt and got me out of the house. And so I did get a job. And uh, was in customer support, IT, very, very different from art. And for almost three years. And while it was a very different thing to do, it also helped me sort of grow as a person. And I actually realized I wanted to do illustration rather than a, a you know, sequential art course that's very, very narrowed down and specific. Not saying it's a bad thing, but I think it's good to kind of know the other sort of thing you can do in illustration. And so I'm kind of happy that, you know, that things worked out in the end that way. Yeah, it's interesting that, like, at, as you say, 16 is the time when it really feels like your education and your courses start to focus towards potential careers and your options yeah. suddenly start to narrow. And, and you sort of pursuing that thing but 
similar to you were saying your initial articles doing photography and, and ceramics and whatnot, even if the thing's not interesting, at least you've been exposed to them and you can sort of mm-hmm. work out of your system. So you're probably right, sort of, it's probably more natural to sort of go from that to illustration, to sequential art, rather than leap directly to sequential art. Similarly, just in terms of like illustration then gives you a lot more things to look at and think yeah. about to then take into uh, sequential art. Oh yeah, completely. Yeah. So it yeah, probably no, worked out for the best in the end. It did, you know, it, I do look at it as like, oh, that was actually a positive, you know, change because I, I went into uni being a lot more mature and I felt like I was more on top of my classes than say my co- my other, you know, colleagues who were much younger and, you know, were dealing with not just being in uni, but also living, you know, alone. I mean, living apart for the first time, you know, learning to cook and, you know, and all sorts of things, which I already had the experience of doing in Belfast. So, you know, and, and obviously working full time, you know, I sort of kind of grew a lot and, and knew sort of what I wanted. So I think I got more out of my course than I would have if I'd gone in at the age of like, I think I was 19 at the time. And having those few years out in the world working, you know, it's a huge boon as well, isn't it? Just in terms of, as you say, life experience, but also to give you that contrast between seeing a nine to five job in an office as opposed to the life of a, a freelance creative. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think it's, um, I mean, immediately after finishing uni, I kind of just knew, okay, well, I need to make money and I can't just go into freelancing straight away because that's a big leap. So, I mean, I'm not saying it's, it's impossible, but it, it would maybe be quite risky, I'd say, you know, not to have some kind of foundation down first or client base. So I went back to Dublin, picked up a job again in IT, funny enough, and then worked on the side to kind of get more freelance work. And I just felt like I was very focused. And I think if I had never worked before and I then finished university, I would have been very lost. I would have spent maybe a few years just not really knowing what I'm doing and trying to adjust to that new kind of life. I even look at the work I was making back then and it just wouldn't have, it wouldn't really have been sellable. You know, I wasn't at that stage where I kind of understood art as, as a business as well. Uh, oh, God, that sounds so calculated, doesn't it? <laughs> I obviously draw because I draw it too. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, it, <laughs> I, I hadn't sort of developed that kind of skill yet. And I felt like, you know, I needed that kind of security on the side. And I also think it gives you the opportunity to pick what projects you want to do. And um, you often see people sort of, getting desperate and picking up bad jobs and having really bad experience with clients because the clients aren't treating them well. And it was kind of good to have like that security and be like, Oh, I can walk away from this. I don't have to do this job, you know? Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's, I definitely recommend to, you know, young people coming out that, you know, don't, don't think you're a failure because you're, you know, picking up a job that isn't art related. I think it's it's good for your own sort of stability and your mental health and you don't want to kill your passion for art by doing a ton of really bad work that you don't like. I think another thing that I noticed is sort of reading around your your, your work uh, is that you've you sort of involved yourself in uh, collective. You're a member of the Drawn Chorus Collective, I believe. Yeah, yeah, that's true, yeah. And Straight yeah, Lines? Kind of, yeah. Uh, straight line. No, not straight lines, but the Illustrious Island sort of uh, board. Oh, okay. I think it's a board. Um, yeah. So I've kind of, I think um, leaving uni was sort of good to have those kind of collectives or places where you can meet other people like yourself, 
um, but also it encourages you, it motivates you to do work when maybe you're not getting client work yet. And also just the connection you make in uni. Um, it, I mean, it did lead to some of my first jobs. So there's sort of like, you know, it's kind of important to have those sort of networks, I think. And also then it gives you the opportunity to get involved in anthologies, which is a good sort of mm. practical way to get your work out there without you having to sink a lot of money into production oh, yeah. and promotion all by yourself sort of thing. Completely, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's been a really good thing. I mean, not just the anthologies, but even just the, the gallery exhibition that we've been holding gives you like a, you know, it, it gives you experience of sort of like, you know, building a project together as a team and you're know, putting a show up and getting work out there. So, I mean, and it's also kind of how I think Ricky saw my scene because my collective was in that thought bubble and they had a few of my books. So even if I can't be there physically, you know, you have you know, people who you're very sure they're going to go to these events and you can just send over a few copies of your book and they can sell them for you. So it's really, <laughs> ha- it's, it's handy in many ways because I, I remember the year I was supposed to be there myself and then I end up having to kind of get a procedure done in Poland. So I was like, oh, I have to cancel that. Um, and then I think they'd picked up Curls, one of my um, first sort of very short comic scene, kind of a bit far um, a bit of like a biography, although I know most people are like, this is about you, isn't it? I was like, oh yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> I was just talking about experience, but you know, um, obviously <laughs> person ended up looking like me. And uh, yeah, they just got in touch and they were like, hey, do you want to do a book with us? And I was shocked, you know. Um, so that was really, it's just interesting how one thing leads to the other really. Yeah, absolutely. I'm assuming, I've never spoken to Ricky about it. I think I was assuming, because we, Avery Hill tabled at a uh, Dublin Comics Art Fair a couple of years back. They and did. And I'm, I'm assuming you've tabled at a few of them. I don't know that you have or not. You know, it's so funny because I was actually there at that time that happened and I sort of knew about them, but I think I was too shy to kind of come up and be like, hey, I'm Charlotte. And I didn't really have like... I- I didn't really have that much workout at the time. I think when they when they were tabling, uh, I had really sort of built like a bit of a you know reputation. So I guess I was just kind of yeah, I was just like oh, I'm just gonna you know watch them from afar. I um, <laughs> don't know if they knew. I don't know if every hill sort of knew about me at the time, but I I, I can't doubt it. I don't know. I, I wasn't really that sort of had that much of a present yet. Have you been to every decaf that's happened? <laughs> Almost every single one. Right, right. I think yeah, I, I missed two. I think I missed two, yeah. I think the very first one I didn't table, that was when they just started it up. And it was a very small venue. I think there was about six people like selling. So it was really small. And then I think the second one they did, I think I got the table for the first time. And it was just, it was really exciting because we'd never had like, a, a comic sort of like it's a it's a different thing to obviously um you know going to comic con and things like that yeah, yeah it's much more like um there's a lot more sort of self-published things and you know you know own sort of not not to say there isn't that comics one but i do sometimes feel like the event kind of maybe caters a lot towards um you know dc marvel um gaming particularly and yeah. so it was kind of nice to have something like that that really had a focus on comics, but comics are really sort of created by very diverse amount of people, you know. 
and um, a bit like FOPO, but a very a, a mini scale of it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is. That, that's what I was going to say. Like I've been to I've been to the Dublin Comic Con, and it is, as you say, very sort of mainstream and focused on big commercial properties. And I've been to mm-hmm. I went to the decaf the year that Avery Hill was there, and it is it, it's essentially you know the same sort of premise as Thought Bubble in that here are people who have made comics and want you to see their comics and aren't being published by DC and, and yeah, Marvel yeah. and Image and all the others. And, it, it, you know, it, it was, it's a great sort of... And, and I was surprised, you know, it's not obviously on the same scale as Thought Bubble, but it was it was big enough the year I was there and it was really sort of exciting for me because it was, I think it was like shortly after I'd moved back to Ireland and I had no idea really about... The only thing I really knew about the Irish comic scene was uh, Big Bang, the shop in Dublin, which I know oh, yeah, yeah. a good shop and not necessarily focused entirely on uh, superhero stuff and, and you know yeah, mainstream stuff. But it was so it was really sort of nice to go there and have a look and and like you know since then I've become uh, a patron of the uh, event, so I get every month I get oh, a sort yes. of a bundle sent through from Debbie with brilliant stuff from Irish creators. So it's a really good way for me to sort of get a, a crash course in what comics are being made in Ireland and who the creators are out here. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's actually, I'm very happy you're a patron because I'm actually on the committee. So um, <laughs> well done. <laughs> um, obviously, we haven't been able to do very much lately with the whole shutdowns and stuff. But uh, yes, hopefully course, yeah. when things start up again, we'll have some new ideas. And I know they're trying to get a, a grant from the arts councils so we're really hoping that uh, that goes through and that we can actually actually invite guests over and do bigger things so yeah crossing fingers for that it's just everything's taking a lot of time now with you know lots of uh, things are slower than usual of so course yeah yeah where everything's up in the air at the moment of course isn't it yeah yeah i say so from my point of view like getting the the bundle of comics through the post every month is is brilliant yeah, I can imagine it's it's a nice <laughs> kind of little surprise. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this is the thing, to... I have no idea what's going to turn up. Because there's no <laughs> yeah. sort of saying it whatsoever. And you do just get some um, random stuff. Yeah. It's always interesting. All right. That's, yeah, I'm happy that you're that you're supporting us and that you're <laughs> getting to kind of get, get more of like an insight of what's happening in the comic scene in, in Ireland. Because it's, still, it's qu- still very small and quiet. But, you know, it's just been amazing meeting so many like-minded people that I'm Honestly, when I worked here between 2012 and 2000, uh, no, sorry, 2010 and 2012, that's just before I was going to uni in London, I didn't know a single illustrator in Dublin. I didn't know anyone who was into comics. Um, it's just so weird to come back and then it's like, whoa, you've all been here this whole time. <laughs> when we talk about decaf, there's a lot of different moving parts there, isn't there? Obviously, there's stray lines collective being a, a big mm. part of it comics lab there's you know a, a lot of people sort of clubbing together to to make it happen and oh yeah and the nice thing is as well as i say even though it is the dublin comics art fair i'm getting the the, the post through and it, it's creators from all over Ireland, including i got one a couple of months back and it was a creator from mayo where i live so oh, it right. was nice. uh, you know local interest again so that's brilliant yeah that's great that we do get people like traveling really far to decaf and it's just amazing and some of them trying to set up their own thing like in Cork and places like that 
crossing fingers that when we recover we can we can grow that that sort of thing yeah well i think sometimes you just need you need one person or one group to do it somewhere yeah. to inspire yeah. others that's the good news isn't it so. oh no absolutely i think if it wasn't for matt and obviously the other people from straight line stuff like who would have taken the initiative you know i mean it does sometimes just take a small group of people to just hey we're going to do this and we're going to figure out how to do it and matt i don't know if you ever met matt you may you probably might have because i did because i used to work at gosh in london and when matt was living in spain (laughs) he used to post over his own stuff to sell in gosh because he he popped in at one point in when he was in london and uh like he does tremendous stuff as well doesn't he you know as as a comics writer oh, yeah, as well as a sort great, of yeah. organizer and uh, and whatnot so yeah and, and i met him at uh decap as well yeah he's a lovely yeah. guy oh uh, he's really sweet and as i say, doing really uh, you know along with everyone else at decap doing really good uh important work absolutely yeah no he's great he's got such passion and he's really all about getting it right and being you know he talks a lot about like the he doesn't want to exploit people and he wants to make it affordable. I mean, he's a really great guy and he just has so many ideas. He's trying to, to get like a, like a permanent space for like his bookshop, his comics bookshop, which he just sort of tries to get scenes from uh, around a place that are very hard to get here. So he's very nice. He's just got all this stuff going on. He has two kids on, the so- on top of everything. I don't know how he does it. <laughs> I'm just amazed. <laughs> so Ricky picks up Coles at Thought Bubble and emails you, I guess. Yeah, that's 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 how I pieced it together. I could be right. so wrong. I could be so <laughs> wrong about this streaming stuff, but I just feel like that that may have been how he sort of reached me or said something like about seeing my work somewhere. And I kind of just assumed that that might have been what happened. Um, because I also know that my friends from uh, my collective had said that I think that every hill of Ricky had sort of picked it up or whatever. So I guess I just started piecing stuff together, but I could be really wrong. <laughs> I like the idea of people having their eyes on Ricky at comic conventions, just sort of following him around the table. Yeah. Oh, oh, looking at? <laughs> well, exactly. I guess it's always a bit exciting when you when you see some someone from a publishing, you know, um, oh, course, who's obviously yeah. done really amazing work as well, you know. Uh, you know work with some great artists so you're kind of anticipating what does that mean and I always like I think I think I think before he pinged me he like followed me on Twitter and I always take that as oh that might be a potential interest <laughs> so you're just sort of waiting for that DM <laughs> <laughs> you're like follow back open DMs yes 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 <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> and um the project that you've put together with Avery Hill, what we don't talk about, was that something that was in progress before Ricky got in touch or was it Ricky sort of saying, you know, have you got any ideas that sort of sparked you to think about a potential project? So I know it's, it's an idea that's been in my head for a long time. I wanted to write about it, particularly because of my, my own experience of growing up in an interracial uh, family. And some of the frustration I had, I wanted to kind of put out there. But also, I suppose, watching how people have handled the topic in, in say, in movies. I haven't seen it so much in, in, in comics, actually. I don't think I have really come across it that much. Um, and it's just very glo- glossing over a lot of issues that actually happen within the, the relationship. 
Um, so it was something I wanted to do, but I didn't really have like a specific pitch written down. So when, when he contacted <laughs> me and he was like, do you have any, you know, any ideas? And I was like, oh my God, oh no, I have, I have nothing written down. And I was like panicking, you know, and I was like, yeah, yeah, I, I'm just uh, <laughs> polishing it up. And, you know, just bullshitting <laughs> my way basically. And, and then I just spent like, I think a weekend just like trying to like jot, jot these things down and, and come up with some sort of, some sort of kind of structure for the story. Uh, and then sent that on to him and and I just think it's it's been great working with him because he's been very open to doing anything really um just a lot of creative uh, freedom that you 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 would find very hard to come across uh, with a lot of publishers so he's been he's been really amazing to work with very very encouraging one of the running themes that I get from talking to creators who have worked with Ricky as a, as an editor is how sort of good he is at empowering you and enabling you and advising but at the same time absolutely giving the space to let you make decisions and you know mm. choose the the path that you want the story to to go down oh yeah no absolutely yeah that's just been really really great um because I obviously didn't really know that when when he first reached out I was like oh he's gonna expect some you know some really juicy like story here and <laughs> I'm gonna have to really convince him and <laughs> <laughs> So um, so he really just was like, oh, which one do you, do you and like of the two stories I sent, he was like, which one do you, do you feel like doing more? So I was like, oh, I was surprised. I was kind of expecting him to pick one and say, okay, right, we're doing right. this else better. But it was, it was much more like, you know, what are you more passionate about? And that was just really nice. That made me feel more, uh, I suppose, more um, brave to tell the story. And just let listeners know, what we don't talk about is essentially about uh, an interracial couple who visit the parents of the man in the relationship who are a white couple and not particularly pleasant I guess would be the kindest Mm -hmm. way uh, to put it but also the sort of broader thing about how that affects their relationship and and how they communicate how they feel about it in their relationship. That was kind of take that the the sort of I I, I realized that obviously the, the antagonist is going to be his mother but in my in my opinion i feel the real antagonist is actually is adam in a sense uh, it's a weird kind of maybe a twisted way to say it but it's because like of course like martha is that kind of person who's just never going to like reflect and look at herself and you know make amends and i didn't want the story to be about fry coming in there and proving that she's such a good black person and you know convincing everyone and then they all change what you see sometimes <laughs> in these movies and it drives five pages left and suddenly everyone's like oh maybe i've been wrong about <laughs> yeah it, it, it was <laughs> i wanted the story to be much more about you know how adam tackles mm. the whole situation and and how that eventually you know uh, how that affects their relationship and so the lack of communication the honesty that isn't there was much more important to me um because that's something i witnessed myself growing up it was like i had i have an awful grandmother and on my dad's side who is uh, a bit like like martha obviously is differently drawn my grandma doesn't look like that but uh, I would say that she was a big inspiration for Martha's character. <laughs> Someone who just has no awareness and complete ignorance and very cynical and bitter about life. And uh, that was what my mom had to deal with when she met my dad. And my dad, both my parents are not the very sort of conflict, uh, kind of confrontational people. So a lot of things just didn't get discussed. 
And it's very confusing as a kid growing up and seeing that kind of treatment and then no one sitting down being like, that's wrong what just happened. Um, that was very, you know, that was very damaging, I think, to my own sort of way that I sort of looked at myself because while my grandmother didn't say nasty things to me, the stuff that she was saying about my mother or, you know, to my face, you know, it, it felt like a reflection of me because I'm technically part of my mom and the stuff that she was sort of picking on us, the things that I'm part of as well. As you say, I think the, the important thing is, and I think in a lesser work, the focus would be, as you say, on the, the sort of conflicts between Farrah and, and, and Martha and, and some sort of resolution coming there. But the idea mm. of just sort of having that as the igniting incident and then the real fallout being mm. the relationship between Adam and Farrah. And, 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 and as you say, without wanting to sort of spoil it, him becoming the villain of the piece because he's the guy who he kind of wants it all, doesn't he? He's like, he wants to yeah. have his girlfriend, have his relationship with his mother, not confront anything, not question anything, just sort of take mm. and not give anything in terms of empathy or understanding. That's really it, you know. And like, yeah, and I, I feel like that's actually what a lot of people are like. It's, it's a sad reality, but I think I wanted to create someone that was kind of relatable because it's very easy to create a character like Martha, I feel like, who is just distasteful and despicable. But I think characters like Adam, who are just, who stand by silently watching and doesn't say anything, are actually the real problem, in my opinion, because they're the people who can, you know, who could have done something about the situation. And so I was very kind of, it was very important for me to write someone like Adam, who was not someone you, you would completely hate, but, um, you know, that you could kind of see, like, the kind of conflict going on inside him and and also, like, you know, his sort of, lack of kind of being there for her and that being really the damaging part was that was something that was just very important to me to to write someone like that in terms of the book visually as well and and your style generally i think it's fascinating to look at it'd be nice to hear your thoughts and uh, on your sort of your process of putting together the image but mm. it, it feels like it's less reliant on on line work and more about sort of light and and color and combining those to to sort of give shape to the page and the images rather than drawing the lines and, and colouring them in, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So that was actually a really big kind of, it was a big sort of creative decision to take. I was actually scared of doing that because most comics I've grown up with and comics I love have obviously had a lot of line work in them. And my own sort of illustration work outside of comics is very lineless. Well, there's, there's a bit in there. And I was thinking, do I... Do I go and sort of, you know, do a line-based, so a line art drawing in my comics so that it's more readable? Or do I attempt to do it like the way I would do my illustration, but obviously, you know, maybe not as, as detailed? So it wasn't an easy, I, I just thought, you know what, I'll just go for it. We'll see. We'll see. Maybe it looks <laughs> crap. Maybe it's just feel, <laughs> but hey, we learned something from it. <laughs> But I've been really, I've been really pleased with a lot of people have said that they really loved it visually and felt that it, it brought out some of the, like the way I was sort of trying to describe things through, like you said, like through the colours, through the light. And a lot of people felt like they really um, felt that it resonated with the story. So I'm really happy that I decided to stick to it. I definitely do want to attempt it again. 
I am. I think the next comic I'm doing with with another a publisher is is probably going to be a line line art based because that's what they've asked for. But uh, so I do realize that this is usually what people kind of expect in comics. But um, it's also interesting to see if you can do them differently. Can it work that way? And so, good for you to be able to sort of work on two different disciplines in terms of if that that particular style and a more uh, line based one. Yeah, yeah. I'll see, I'll see how that goes. <laughs> I'm, still, I'm still not sure if, if it's gonna. I'm worried about it not feeling like my my work. I think that's where that's where I'm kind of maybe a bit stressed about. But we'll we'll see. We'll see. I'll I'll figure it out somehow. <laughs> In terms of putting together the images for what we don't talk about, is it a case of you? drawing out the line work and then filling it in and removing the line work for the final image or, or do you just sort of go almost freehand with the, the colour and the, the shapes to sort of create the image? I think in particular with this I think I, I try to be a bit more structured just because it helped because I did so you know I started off doing like the thumbnails which are just scribbles they don't make any sense I'm not going to show them to anyone and then I moved <laughs> into I moved into doing like the roughs and it does help having like some really rough outline it wasn't a perfect outline or anything like that I mean some of the characters were missing hair it was just like here's <laughs> a person and yes this is that person we'll figure out their features afterwards and <laughs> um, just trying to get the essential things down like their expressions uh, anything that's kind of important to that so that when I come back to it later I know what I was trying to do and and then after that I kind of I tend to block in the colors using the bit of the line art that is there um, as a bit of a guide, but I don't really like follow it like, you know, a hundred percent because the line art itself is all rough and all over the place. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's kind of a little bit of both. I'd say sometimes when it comes to my own illustration work, I would just kind of block things in and shape them and figure, uh, you know, where I'm taking it afterwards. But for a comic, it's a bit more tricky because you just want to plan things out so that you know, you know, what are you, what are you trying to achieve? Yeah, I think for sort of sequential stuff, you have to be a bit more disciplined, don't you? As you say, with with a, a sort of bit of spot illustration, you can be a bit more wild and energetic because it's acting mm -hmm. in terms of its own space, whereas with a page, you kind of have to allow for what's coming before and after, I guess. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's it. Well, it all turned out. Uh, spectacularly because the book is uh, brilliant and highly recommended Aww. thank you so much i'm so shocked when Ricky told me that you're doing a second print run. i was like what <laughs> how is that well, possible <laughs> well, well i'll tell you how it's possible we sold all the first print runs, so we had to <laughs> oh my god i just i just think that's crazy that is just it's amazing because i was feeling a bit it's feeling a bit scared you know like coming into the year being really excited about publishing my first book and then the pandemic happening and yes. then feeling like you've lost your opportunity to grow as an offer that was really an initial fear. And I just felt so down about it. Like, I can't go to all these events we had planned and the book lounge is not going to happen. And so to see people like this, the outpour support and the recommendations and the feedback has just been, it's just really like made my day. Like, it's not just days, months. I think it's just <laughs> boring and uh, really um, encouraging me to do future projects. Charlotte, thanks so much for talking to us. Oh, thank you, Steve. It was really lovely. Very relaxed. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm sure we'll talk again in the future. Thank you so much. Yeah, we'll definitely, definitely bump into each other in a future decamp. <laughs> well, thank, thank you so much for having me. And I'm looking forward to seeing this life. <laughs>
Thanks again to Charlotte for talking to us, and thank you for listening. See you next month. This show is a Holdfast Network production. Go to holdfastnetwork.com for other programs you may enjoy.